wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful, the cold but beautiful uh, city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful uh, to be able to share with you uh, once again. Uh, look, folks, I'd love to have you uh, join with us uh, personally. Now, look, if you've got a, a positive thought, if you've got a comment on one of the issues that we're discussing, or if you'd simply like to say, hello, how you going, you can do it by texting us here at our studio uh, text number. Our studio text number is 04888 Eight oh eight eleven is uh, is that number now? Now this week we are looking at a fantastic uh, theme. In fact, it's happening all next week and the following week as well. And that uh, theme is: Is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? Uh, now, look. Uh, yesterday, uh, the question that uh, we asked and uh, Pastor Don Felberg uh, shared uh, with us uh, on was a. Uh, did the church of the apostles really fall away? Now, folks, look, if you missed that uh, particular presentation, that's something that uh, I, I would say you must pick up on. Now, look, guys, if you would like to pick up on any of these uh, presentations, and yesterday's, I was sitting uh, listening to it as I was having my my, my dinner just uh, before presenting a program myself at my at my church, and I was so impressed with uh, uh, what uh, what was shared uh, shared yesterday. Did the church of the apostles really uh, fall away. Now, if you would like to pick that up, you can pick that up by simply downloading our app. Uh, now, look, if you'd like to get the Faith FM app, all you've got to do is go to your favorite uh, app store. Now, whichever one you, you go to, it's in all the app stores. Uh, you just need to do a search for Faith FM Australia. Just make sure you put the Australia in there, Faith FM Australia. And um, uh, you'll find that app down Download it, and then all of our previous programs are uh, are as uh, are listed there as uh, as podcast. Look under Drive Time, and uh, yesterday's program is already there. It's already been uh, been renamed so that uh, it does match what uh, we uh, uh, we did actually present uh, yesterday. Uh, and uh, you'll really appreciate that. So if you want that app, uh, Faith FM Australia is uh, is what you're looking for. Don't just go for Faith FM. FM, uh, because if you just go for Faith FM, you'll get Faith FM America, and you want Australian voices. You don't want uh, American uh, American voices here in Oz. Uh, today, uh, our subject is uh, what was so remarkable at the, about the Waldensians. You know, the church uh, we saw yesterday uh, did actually fall away after those early generations uh, passed uh, passed away. Uh, but uh, and through the through the dark ages, the church which certainly spiralled almost out of control. Uh, but then 
uh, light uh, started to grow. Light started to dawn. Today, we're asking, what was so remarkable about the Waldensians? Now, the Waldensians, of course, were one of those groups uh, that did actually maintain light in the late uh, Middle Ages uh, that uh, that was actually so impressive. We're going to share on the history of this uh, this organisation today and the marvellous work they did to maintain the uh, the word of the word of God. And of course, today our co-host once again is live from Perth in West Oz is Pastor Don Felberg. Now, Don recently retired as the Aboriginal Western District Regional Leader, and uh, right now he's uh, he's in retirement. Although having presenting every single day this week, I'm not really sure how much retirement he's actually having. But welcome to you, Don. Thank you, Pastor Gary. Happy to be with you and your listeners once again. Ah, uh, look, Don. I just want to really say to you uh, how much uh, I certainly appreciated your program uh, uh, yesterday. All that you presented, it was powerful uh, material, and uh, it's certainly something that I'd be happy to share with my uh, with my mates. Just uh, re- to recommend it uh, to them. I really appreciate the work that you know. I mean, Don, what's it feel like to be presenting three weeks of uh, programs in your retirement? <laughs> well, it's keeping me busy, and uh, I'm dusting off a few books and records and things, and uh, so it's quite—it's uh, probably good for my mind. Yeah, actually, they tell me that that's one of the really good things about uh, about this is that you actually uh, maintain your mental activity, which means you're not likely to get dementia. Yes, that's right. That'll be good. <laughs> that is good. That is good. And now, now Don, before we actually, I, I, I've got uh, somebody else. I, I, I want to just uh, interview uh, uh, briefly as well. Uh, a good, a good friend of mine. But um, look, you're a person who has really. I, I'm impressed with the amount of travel that you've actually done. Now, look, you know, internationally, how many, how much travel have you actually done? Oh, not as much as as many people, Pastor Gary, but I have travelled to 41 countries on all of the continents except Antarctica. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. And, and how many places have you preached in? I mean, you've, you've been preaching the gospel in so many different lands. How, how many have you preached in? Oh, I've, I've, I've preached in seven different overseas countries and some of those uh, whole series of meetings. But particularly in Kosovo, you know, that area that um, split off from Serbia a few years ago, I've conducted meetings in uh, four different uh, places there in Kosovo. Wow, wow. And, and look, I, I know how much you've really been, you know, one of the things I've really appreciated, and we might get into this a little bit tomorrow, but uh, I'm just so conscious of the stories that you've got to share of the way the Lord has actually led in your in your ministry. And I think we, we might actually touch base on some of those stories tomorrow because I know how much people, uh, I've certainly really appreciated them, and I know how much others have really appreciated them as well. And thank you so much for that, Don. To have uh, with us uh, this afternoon, uh, Dr. Don Batten. Now, uh, Don is the senior scientist at uh, Creation Ministries uh, International, right here uh, in in Australia. Now, welcome to you, Don. Thank you, Gary. Great to be with you. Uh, look, it really is uh, fantastic. Now, look, you're based up there in Brisbane, aren't you? That's correct. Yeah. 
It's a lovely spot to live up there. I've spent some time living in uh, in Brisbane, Townsville, out at Roma. Love uh, love Queensland. Beautiful spot. Uh, and yep. uh, really a big shout out to uh, all our mates that uh, are certainly up there in uh, in Queensland. Uh, now look, I really appreciate the uh, uh, your your leadership in the whole creation ministries uh, area. I just love some of the presentations that certainly I've heard. I know I had the very real privilege of going uh, up to the Creation uh, Ministries conference that occurred on the uh, Sunshine Coast just before COVID started and uh, to me uh, that was an incredible blessing and I encourage our listeners to uh, get on to the Creation Ministries uh, website uh, if they need Creation Ministry materials. Now uh, look just uh, help me out here Don. Now look as I understand it you did your uh, doctorate in biology. Yes, plant biology at the University of Sydney. Okay, okay. Uh, so uh, that would have been a, uh, an interesting experience? Well, I, I, I value the experience. I count the blessings I was able to do that because it's uh, well, a lot of great stuff and uh, a lot of stuff that points to the fact that uh, we're marvellously creative. I mean, plants are incredible example of God's ingenuity the way he created them. Tell us Don, before we just go there into the into the technical area, look during your university days, were you an uh, evolutionist or were you a creationist? Well I was a creationist in the sense that I believed God created things, but I wasn't a creationist in the sense of believing the Bible's account of creation you know, that God created everything in six days uh, with an evening and morning in each day and a numbered and all that, which clearly shows that there's supposed to be a week, you know, with the day of rest at the end. And I didn't really believe that. I had to sort of uh, try to blend the two together. There's the idea of long ages and evolution. I thought, well, maybe that was God's way of creating everything. And I I didn't think too much about it because later on I did think about it and realised that that really doesn't work. Um, But anyway, I had that sort of funny blend of the two, you know, that believed in God he is a creator, but you know, maybe he did it over long periods of time and maybe evolution was part of that story. And and uh, I guess I became a New Testament Christian, you know, where I said, well, let's look, look at Jesus in the New Testament. Let's not get too bogged down in what the Old Testament says and that sort of thing. And uh, because the trouble is you go to the New Testament, you find it talks about Genesis and Jesus talks about Genesis and he yeah. clearly believed it. And, and you, you, you can't really do that. And but I, I was young and I was naive, and uh, I just tried to blend the two, and that's how I sort of survived, I guess, at the time. Okay, I, I'm really interested that you actually do say that because I'm I'm conscious that I certainly get opportunity to speak from time to time with uh, with university students, and it, it's very much a a go with the flow. Uh, type of uh, type of attitude within the uh, you know much of the uh, university uh, environment, and yet at some point you uh, turned around and now you've actually uh, committed your life work to sharing on something that, as you rightly say, is based clearly in the early chapters of the Bible. It's based in the uh, Old Testament. Look, why have you chosen to center your life work? around this creation-evolution debate? Well, I, I guess when it boiled down to it, really did in my heart, I knew that the thing didn't work. You couldn't really put the two together, but I didn't know how to resolve it. And I was blessed to actually go to a lunchtime meeting at the University of Sydney early in my PhD 
when an American biochemist, Dr. Dwayne Gish, uh, was speaking. Mm-hmm. And I went along, and it's the first time I'd heard a man of science defend believing what the Bible says about creation. And it blew me away. I thought, this is amazing. And uh, he, he recommended some reading and some books and things, which I chased down. And I read that, read those books and read those things. And over about a 12-month period, I had a complete change of heart and attitude towards the whole evolutionary story. I realized that really it, it wasn't something that I had to accept. Mm-hmm. You know, the evolutionary thing is really a story about the past, about history, and science is about experiments in the present. So how does something which is good at figuring out how things work in the present, how is it appropriate for historical things, things that happened in the past? It's not really appropriate at all. So what's happened is this whole thing's been, in, been brought into science. It isn't really science in the sense of, uh, you know, the water boiling at 100 degrees Celsius at sea level. You know, it's not mm. that sort of science. It's mm. a belief system about the past and a belief system rooted in there is no God. There's no creator. Mm-hmm. It's actually designed to get rid of God. And so all this sort of came, it, it took a year or two for it to really gel with me and to realize there was another way of looking at all this, which actually honored God's word and also honored what Jesus said about Genesis and things like that. Like in, in Luke 17, Jesus said the flood came and destroyed them all. Mm-hmm. Whereas this long age idea that God sort of stepped in every now and then and did some stuff and that denies the flood even happened. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said in Mark 10, verse 6, uh, at the beginning God made them male and female. Well, if, if the long ages are true, people weren't at the beginning, they're at the end of time. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen that clock idea where, you know, hum- humanity is the last fraction of a second to midnight on the 24 hours. And so we're just insignificant is what they try to say. And Yeah, so it, it really completely changed my life it was i was already a christian but it was almost like being born again again yeah. uh this realization that i could trust god's word as it's meant to be read rather than try to marry it for something which really it didn't marry with that's that i really appreciate what you what you're saying so in other words what i'm hearing is that you're you're suggesting and uh, there is sufficient evidence to be able to back up a creationistic worldview. Yeah, there's an enormous amount of evidence, and much more now than there was when I was uh, working through these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an enormous body of uh, work and evidence, and, and look, we don't have we don't have answers to everything that pertains to the past because nobody was there to see what happened. Yeah, and so we whether you believe the Bible's account of creation or whether you're an evolutionist, a long age, or whatever. Uh, these things that happened in the past, uh, except for the ones that actually are recorded in the Bible by eyewitnesses, like Noah's flood, for example, clearly it was an eyewitness account. We we sort of have pieces of the uh, story in the Bible, but not the whole story. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we have to extrapolate between the pieces we have and try and work out. For example, like plate tectonics, for example, you mm-hmm. know, and there's a fantastic model which uh, shows how plate tectonics was probably, you know, how the, the, the massive plates of the Earth move around. Mm-hmm. But, but this happened actually during the flood and happened very quickly, and there's a lot of evidence that that's what, what happened. Mm-hmm. So it's the same ev- same observations that are made by the long-age people understood differently in the context of the Bible's time frame and the flood. 
But we don't have perfect knowledge about the past. Nobody has perfect knowledge about the past, except for the things that the Bible actually tells us, uh, which, of course, is God's inspired word. Okay. Tell, tell me, to what extent do you think that a person's presuppositions actually uh, dictate their conclusions? Oh, hugely, hugely, hugely the case. I mean, if you start out with the premise that there is no God, or I don't want to believe in the creator God, the supernatural creator, then where do you go? Mm. There's only one option, and that is everything made itself. Mm. Because we know from modern science that the universe can't be eternal. That used to be the go-to. The universe has always been here. But we know today that's not the case. The universe must have had a beginning. And, of course, the Big Bang recognises that there's a beginning, so it's got that much right. But, um, of course, the James Webb telescope that we've, that's in the years at present is, is about looking back to the Big Bang type of idea, you know. So, yeah. so the Big Bang recognises there's a beginning, and, and everybody who knows anything about science knows there's a beginning. So basically you have to believe the beginning happened with no cause uh, because you, you can't go to the, there's a creator who caused it. Yeah. The Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. No, yeah. you can't go there if you don't want to believe in God. So you have to believe in some sort of causeless beginning of the universe. And, of course, nobody, nothing happens without a cause. Yeah. You don't have, nothing happens without a cause. And if you end up in a, a no-man's land where you believe in miracles without a miracle worker. So, mm-hmm. yeah, your presuppositions drive this whole thing. Do I want to believe in the creator, God? And, of course, if there's a creator, God, who made everything. Yeah. And then uh, may we're accountable to that creator for our lives. Um, and so you have the concept of sin and judgment and the need for a saviour and why we need Jesus. And yeah. all this comes to play based on the fact that God created us. It really does bring in a much bigger picture, doesn't it? Because the very moment uh, that you say, okay, there is a creator, then, okay, uh, it also means that, you know, they, as you correctly say, you know, issues like sin suddenly come into it. And, of course, then I become accountable to the, you know, a big God. And, of course, increasingly what I'm uh, I'm sensing is that certainly our secular world is wanting to push themselves further and further away uh, from any issue that might come close to accountability. Ability and uh, and so of course a naturalistic worldview uh, where everything happens in a very natural form uh, would have to be an easier way uh, of viewing our world than uh, ascribing something to an eternal everlasting God. Yes, yes. I think it's I think it's easier to believe in God. And creation than it is to believe in an evolutionary view of how everything came to be. I call it cosmic evolution. Yeah. That everything made itself with no creator. Yeah, no, I agree with you totally there, Don. I think it's, it's really, it's really powerful. Um, you know, the, the more I look at, uh, the way the scriptures and particularly those early chapters in Genesis, uh, does actually present, um, the creation of the world, uh, I have to turn around and say, hey, uh, this makes sense because, you know, as I looked at certainly those pictures that you, you referred to of the, of the universe, I did actually see them in the, the newspaper a day or two ago and, and uh, I, I looked at it and I thought, hey, and the text that came to mind was you are fearfully and wonderfully made, not just human yeah. body, but also our entire universe. And you can only, yeah. I could only worship at, at that point when I see those pictures of what, you know, I mean, how can uh, this sort of universe just simply occur 
without a designer. Well, as the psalm said, the heavens declare the glory of God, the majesty of God. And uh, when you look at that, you think, wow, how big is our creator? How big is our God? You know, it's just amazing. Yeah, Uh, yeah. that should be what it says, but because the secularists can't go there, and they just marvel at the fact that all this stuff's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly it. I mean, to me, I, the thing that I'm conscious of is that I certainly went along to your uh, conference there, as I said, on the uh, on the Sunshine Coast, and I felt the material that was being presented was certainly second to none. The only thing, um, the only question I went away with was, why can't we get this information uh, certainly out into the uh, big wide uh, world that uh, that is out there? And of course, I knew the answer to that question. I mean, uh, we now live in a secular environment. Nobody particularly wants to handle uh, this sort of information, and uh, therefore, as a as a result, of course, it doesn't uh, doesn't get out there. But you know, when I when, when certainly when I saw so many uh, certainly you know. PhD level uh, level scientists, you know the material that they're presenting in their various fields, where person after person can just simply stand up and say, "Hey, this is the way the uh, uh, you know I understand the world to be. This is how uh, the evidence can be legitimately in." understood and uh, as i uh, as I, I saw it i thought wow the evidence is is certainly there it's certainly powerful um but don look we do need to finish uh, we, I, i'd love to actually get you on you know probably once a you know you or or one of your friends there uh once a, once a week or, or something like that on our little program here don really do appreciate that now look if uh, if people want to make contact with creation ministries What's your website address? Creation.com. That's oh. hard to remember, isn't it? Creation.com. <laughs> now that, now that, now that is easy. That is a love that. Wish I had a, 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 an address as simple as that. Creation.com. Uh, look, folks, can I just encourage you? Um, there is so much excellent material out there today. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, if you have got, uh, young people particularly who may be in the, uh, academic, maybe they're in the high school type environment, uh, to actually be able to talk to them, uh, about, uh, about some of the issues that are raised in uh, certainly the Creation magazine or uh, other literature you might leave uh, leave around your home. Uh, this is really key uh, to being able uh, to present a, a thoroughly Christian biblical worldview. Don, thank you so much for uh, uh, for sharing with us today. Really do uh, do appreciate it, and really look forward to catching up again. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Great to be with you. Fantastic. And folks, uh, please, let's come to some, uh, uh, some music. Uh, this is, uh, Michael W. Smith and the song is Ancient Words. And that's what we're talking about all this week. Uh, how fantastic is, uh, is this song? Please, uh, please enjoy Michael W. Smith, Ancient Words. Words of life, words of hope 
That was Michael W. Smith, and uh, the song was uh, Ancient uh, Ancient Words. Powerful, uh, powerful uh, song. Really appreciated, Michael W. Smith. Uh, folks, look, today we do have a giveaway book, and uh, the giveaway book today is entitled The Vanishing Protestant. Now, this is uh, by Charles Lawson. This is a really beautiful little uh, little book. It talks about the, uh, uh, the changes, the impact, what's occurring in our contemporary religious world. You know, one of the things I'm so conscious of is the Protestant world certainly in the last 20 years uh, is uh, almost moving uh, to the point of non-existence. Now why is that and do we still need it? You know I I love uh, this particular book. Now look if you'd love to have a copy of The Vanishing Protestant all you need to do is to text us uh, here at our uh, drive time text number 04888080811 and the uh, code that you need is SA62 SA62 no gap between the SA and the 62 and uh, that'll trigger our robot and he'll contact you he'll get a few details off you so that we can get this book to you in the fastest possible way The Vanishing Protestant if ever there's a time when we need to pick up uh, a book of significance I believe that uh, this is uh, this is indeed indeed it can I please encourage you The Vanishing Protestant 04888 and the code is SA62 to trigger our robot so that uh, uh, you won't have to talk to anyone just a few details so we can get this book uh, to you uh, now you are listening to faith fm drive time big q a with uh, pastor gary and today our co-host is once again live from perth in west oz pastor don felberg and uh, don recently retired as the aboriginal western district regional uh, leader now all this week and next week we're looking at the theme is protestantism still needed in the third millennium now this is a really big question today. Yesterday uh, we asked the question, did the Church of the Apostles really fall away? And this was a greatly appreciated. Uh, we had people contacting us over this particular uh, program. Uh, did the Church of the Apostles really fall away? And today we're asking what was so remarkable about the uh, Waldensians? Now the Waldensians of course happen uh, more than a millennium uh, later after the days of the Apostles. We're now uh, past and we're into the uh, the close of the Dark Ages. Light is starting to to uh, uh, to, to, to occur and uh, uh, Individual groups are starting to stand up uh, for what the what the scriptures do actually stand for. Now, Don, look, um, you've I know that you've been over into uh, uh, into the Waldensian the regions where those uh, those churches uh, did uh, uh, did feature. Um, can you just tell us, you know, who were the Waldensians and what is so remarkable about those about those people? Well, yes, thank you, Pastor Gary. Um, One of the places that I really enjoyed visiting was the Waldensian Valleys in northwestern Italy. Uh, It was one of my favourite spots on all of my overseas journeys. And I think it was because of these remarkable people. That's what made it so special. But uh, these people really trace their roots, some believe, back to the apostles. Uh, The first reference we have of them is in the 4th century AD. But uh, some historical sources point to Peter Waldo, who was a merchant from Lyon as the first Waldensian. And he was a, a Waldensian leader 
and he gave great impetus uh, to the movement. But originally, they, they, the Waldensians were scattered throughout Europe. But uh, eventually, they made their homes in the beautiful valleys and mountains of the French and the Italian Alps. Mm. They retreated to these areas so they could worship in freedom according to their consciences. I think, Pastor Gary, you've visited this beautiful countryside, haven't you? Ah, yeah. Look, Don, I really, I mean, to me, this was one of the highlights of my ministry, to be able to go with another group of pastors uh, and actually visit the Waldensian Valleys, high up in the Italian Alps there in northern northern Italy. I learned so much. I came to understand so much about the rich Protestant history and why it was actually needed uh, to uh, uh, to come on board. Yes, yes, and and what you're saying there about this rich Protestant history is these people firmly believed the Bible. They believed it was the only guide for their lives, and you see, they were disturbed by the things that had been creeping into the Christian church over the centuries, such as the worship of images, confession to a priest rather than directly to God, Mm. the worship of uh, Mary and the saints, teachings like purgatory and prayers for the dead. They were concerned about the sale of indulgences to earn one's salvation, the worship of relics. You see, these people loved the Bible. And talking about this leader, Peter Waldo, he oversaw the translation of the New Testament into the local language of southern France. Uh And that, Pastor Gary, was the first complete translation of the New Testament into into any of the languages of medieval Europe and was the only one available in popular use. Mm. So you can see why he gave a, a, a wonderful impetus to the Waldensian movement. But, uh, Pastor Gary, I think uh, you visited a place where I visited called the College of the Barbs at Cra del Tor. Yeah. And uh, it's high up in the valleys there, up on the side of a, of a mountain. A glorious view from up there. You look out over the snow-capped mountains and you look down into the valley below and um, College of the Barbs. Now, the word Barbs literally means uncle, but Uh it refers to the pastors. Uh And so this was a training college, and I I tell you, I was uh, very impressed to be able to visit this humble Bible college. But what I saw in there was a big flat stone, a, a, a table made out of a big flat stone. But what was interesting was that here the Waldensian young people copied the scriptures. They spent hour after hour copying the scriptures or portions of the scriptures. And uh, the word of God was very important to them. 
You visited this place, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, I'd, the thing that I've certainly seen that uh, inside of that uh, that particular facility, and of course, it's not very big. I mean, we would probably call it a barn today. It certainly isn't isn't yeah, large. Yeah. It's a, it's a small. I, I'm a fairly uh, tall man, and uh, I was certainly <laughs> struggling to to stand up uh, in there. But you know, to me, the thing that really jumped out at me is how much uh, I must have a uh, person would come to appreciate the Bible if they're only way of getting the Bible was to copy out by hand their own copy. Um, but, the yeah. thing that, but the thing that jumped yeah. out at me is that they didn't just uh, copy for themselves, they copied for mm-hmm. others as well. Very true, very true. I'm going to come to that a little bit later. But there's another monument, uh, Pastor Gary, that you and I visited called the Chan Foran Monument. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's also in a paddock up on the side of a hill there. It's in northwestern Italy above the little towns of uh, Turpalici and Bobbio Palici there. But um, what I was, this monument was erected um, in the 1500s and it was really erected to say that they were in agreement with the reformation that was taking parts uh, uh, place in other parts of europe but what they did is when they put up this monument the they had on the front of it an open bible yeah and uh and that again signifies the importance that they gave to the bible and by the way, at this um, at this meeting, this synod meeting that was held in 1532, the Waldensians, after listening to what was happening in the Reformation in other places around Europe, they decided they voted to pay for the translation of the Bible into the French language. Wow. It was the Waldensians' gift to the Reformation and was printed in 15. 15- 35. That is so these people, they the, the Bible was prominent uh, for them. What was their motto? What was their motto, Don? I'm just really conscious that, you know, this uh, the, these people actually had a motto that they uh, lived their life by. Uh, what was it? Yes, uh, Lux Lisset in Tenebris, meaning, I don't know my Latin's too good, but the light shining in the darkness. Yeah, yeah, that was their motto, and and actually asking about this, Pastor Gary, is another one of their signs or symbols, I should say, besides the open Bible, was the lighted candle, mm. and on many of their monuments, you have this lighted candle, and it has uh, seven stars around it. Yeah, and those it's it's picking up the imagery from the Book of Revelation. It is yes. where Jesus is pictured there. John sees Jesus in vision, and he has in in his hand seven stars, and um, and uh, the message is given to him that these seven stars refer to the angels or the messengers or the leaders of uh, of the churches of the seven churches mm-hmm. spoken of there. And so here they had the lighted candle on their monuments, and uh, it really symbolizes the fact that the Bible brings light. Psalm 119, verse 105, 
Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah. And that's why they put this up there, because they wanted everybody to know that that uh, the Bible is the book that gives us the true light. Mm. And as I think about this, I think about what Jesus said in John 8 and verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Yeah. Yeah. And so these people knew that it was Jesus and the Bible that was the true light that showed them what was truth and what was error, what was the way to go. There's another text there in uh, John chapter 8 and verses 35 and 36 um, where Jesus said, um, um I think I might have the... Don, just, 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 just while you're finding that, um, look, one of the things that I'm just really, co- I really am impressed. This, this College of the Barbs that you, that you spoke about, I, I certainly had the privilege of visiting there. But you know, our, our instructor, the person who was, uh, was sharing us, uh, sharing with us when we were there, he told us an incredibly interesting story. He said, look, he said, uh, basically, uh, the, uh, uh, the young people, young Waldensian people would come during the winter months and be trained, uh, in the, College of the Barbs, in order to be missionaries uh, to the uh, uh, the then known then known world, they'd copy out the scriptures. Then they would go out and start to uh, uh, start to share uh, the gospel with others. They had to do it discreetly. They'd share the gospel. They'd share the the scriptures they had copied out whenever they could. But the thing that really uh, surprised me was that uh, in order to become a teacher. At the College of the Barbs, you had to uh, you had to actually have had experience as a missionary yourself. And what they what they found was that uh, most of the uh, most of the the young men would go out, and they'd go out uh, generally um, for you know for a, for a period of time. But most of them, uh, most of the ones that came back, had about three years experience to teach in other words once you've done three years you could come back uh, and start to teach but a lot of them never came back uh, and of course the reason a lot of them never came back was because in that three years they had actually the lifespan the expected lifespan uh, for most of those young men uh, once they started their missionary journeys uh, was often not longer than three years they believed in the scriptures so so in uh, intently that they they were prepared to go out as missionaries uh, with Bibles they had handwritten themselves uh, and then um, recognize that uh, their lifespan uh, might be limited by no more than two or three two or three years when I heard that story it really said something to me Don about you know about yeah. What what we today, you know, do we value the scriptures enough? You know, are we just prepared to take what somebody else is uh, is telling us? Uh, and uh, you know, of how much consequence is the scriptures uh, to us uh, today? Uh, you know, I I looked at this and I just simply said, hey, you know, these people, um, you know, this this motive where they turn around and they they say, you know, light shines in darkness, and how do they? 
share it and they share it by becoming missionaries. They start to give uh, the word of God. They start to share the word of God. And to me, this really inspired me. But look, Don, let's just come to a break. We do need to come to a break. Uh, this is, and then we'll come back to you and we'll get you to, um, to, to come, uh, come back again, uh, with, uh, uh, with some more. Okay. So really appreciate what you're actually saying. Uh, but look, let's come to this, uh, this is one of the great hymns of the church. Uh, uh, the church has one foundation. Uh, what a, what a hymn, uh, this, uh, this really is. And indeed, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, is the foundation of the church. And that, uh, is what our Waldensian friends, uh, were actually preaching.
And that was the Norton Hill Band, and uh, the uh, the song was The Church is One Foundation, and how true uh, that uh, that really is. Move away from that foundation, uh, and you've uh, moved away uh, from the uh, the gospel in its totality. Uh, the Vanishing Protestant. Now, we do have a giveaway book today. It's entitled The the Vanishing Protestant. Now, this is a real ripper of a book, guys. Uh, look, to me, if you want to understand a little bit about what's happening in today's religious world, uh, then this is a book uh, that we would certainly recommend to you, The Vanishing Protestant. Now, there is so much happening in the religious world today. The religious world is being turned on its head in a literal manner. It's not what it was even 20 and 30 years ago. Uh, my friends, The Vanishing Protestant is a powerful book, The Vanishing Protestant by uh, Charles Lawson. If you'd like your own copy of that, 04888-80811 is the number, 04888-80811, and just send us the code SA62, just no gaps in there, just SA62, and uh, our robot, he'll pick that up, and uh, he'll uh, contact you, uh, just get a few details off you so that we can uh, uh, get that book to you in the fastest uh, possible way. Uh, now... Folks, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is live from Perth in uh, West Oz, uh, Pastor Don Felberg. And uh, it's fantastic to have Don uh, sharing with us. Don is a greatly appreciated uh, presenter. And this week and next week we're talking about is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? And today we're asking what was so remarkable about these Waldensian people? Now, uh, Don, we've got about uh, uh, eight or nine minutes. Uh, can you bring it together for us? Yes, thank you, Pastor Gary. Well, these people love the Bible. They love Jesus. They believe that Jesus was the only mediator between God and man. I've seen that written there in Latin letters on the back of one of their churches. They love the Ten Commandments. Many of them uh, love the Sabbath and uh, kept the Seventh-day Sabbath. But you know, the Church of the Middle Ages wanted these people to conform to her teachings and because they refused, because they said, no, we are duty-bound to follow Scripture, they were uh, bitterly persecuted. Now, because they lived up in the mountains, they had freedom and peace longer than others in the big cities, but eventually the medieval church uh, sent raids against them and many of them were ruthlessly slaughtered for their faith in the gospel of Christ. Mm. Now, in order to be able to worship in peace, they worshipped in interesting places. Mm. And when I first visited over there, on my first visit, I was 25 years of age and I'd heard about a cave where they worshipped, and I wanted to see it. Yeah. And so I was directed along a beautiful little country track, and I went along this track, and I was looking to see where this cave might be, and and then I saw some rocks up on the side of the hill, so I clambered up there and realized they were just rocks. There was no cave there, and and I was looking at the clock, and I was... <laughs> racing around and I thought be terrible if I've come all this way and I, I I can't find this place you know anyway eventually I I saw another little track and I headed down this little track and Pastor Gary 
I came to a most remarkable place. It yeah. was a, an entranceway between these huge big rocks and there was a sign up outside, Chisa de la Tana, the Church of the Earth, mm. and uh, it had something there in, in language about liberty of conscience. But, you know, in order to get into this rock church, this cave church, I had to bend down and I had to crawl in. Even though I'm short, Pastor Gary, I had to bend down and crawl in to get into the entranceway and into this uh, cave. Yeah. When I got in there, uh, I had to have a torch with me so I could see what I was, where I was going. And when I got in there, it opened up into a, a bigger area. And gradually as I stood there, light uh, coming down through some of the cracks in the rocks, um, you know, my eyes became accustomed and, and I could see a little bit in there. And I, I thought of the people that would come here to come to church. Yeah. They would worship there so that they could be safe from those that would be spying on them and uh, and would bring trouble to them. And Don, and, that, uh, you know, that, that cave is one of the most powerful, um, I suppose, spiritual experience. I've certainly also, uh, been to that, to that cave and I'm a, I'm a tall man. You're a short man. And, uh, I had to, had to crawl in uh, virtually on my belly to get in, get in there. Uh, yeah. but the yeah. thing that really jumped out at me, and, th- and this was a remarkable experience when I was there, our, our tour group, um, had actually been beaten into the cave by another tour group. And, uh, the tour group that was in front of us, was actually a Baptist youth group and um, right. they were at the other end of the cave um, and just as we came in um, uh, they were singing Faith of Our Fathers and oh, uh, that- Powerful. Oh, look! I tell you, I think uh, I think our entire um, because the the resonance around the whole cave was just so uh, so incredible. So Im- I think most of us were actually reduced to tears over uh, over that particular yeah. experience. It was powerful. Uh, but uh, yeah, sorry, Don, I'm breaking in on you. Oh no, that's good. I was there with just one other pastor. There was yeah. just the two of us. And uh, we were so humbled by the experience that we bowed our heads in this cave. Yeah. And we prayed that God would help us to have the faith of these people who would be so strong to stand up for what they believed. We prayed that we would be faithful even unto death, as Jesus admonished us in Revelation 2.10. Indeed. And and for me too, Pastor Gary, it was, was one of the special experiences um, of my of my trip over there, and so many times they were saved from their enemies, but uh, other times uh, at Valerie's high up in the Alps, there there's another almost inaccessible cave where these people uh, hid huge food supplies, and uh, during one of the purges there. Uh, Sadly, the people were discovered hiding in the cave and they and their enemies lit fires at the mouth of the cave and suffocated 3,000 people in one night. Wow. And so many of these people were faithful unto death. Jesus said, be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown oh, of life. Yeah. And many of these dear people were faithful even unto death. 
but they were faithful because they knew their Bibles. They loved Jesus. They knew what he had done for them, and uh, that's what inspired them to be loyal and faithful. Mm. Mm. I, um, and, you know, the Lord wonderfully, uh, miraculously saved them on, on, on a number of occasions. Um, General Cabernet uh, drove a large group into some of the upper valleys on one occasion and they were trapped. They prayed for deliverance. The enemy captain Mondoji came suddenly upon these people praying and he said, you will be saved with a vengeance. And they, and the soldiers with him, they roared in laughter and suddenly an arrow hurtled through the air and struck Mondozi between the eyes and like Goliath, he fell to the earth and his men fled in blind panic. Wow. Another time, Count de la Trinette uh, trapped a group of um, praying Waldenses and he laughed again and said, oh, we'll wipe you out this time, we've got you now. And suddenly a child, a young child of the Waldenses higher up in the in the hills began to beat a drum and the soldiers were struck with terror and ran in confusion thinking an opposing army was about ready to sweep down on them. <laughs> Many times God delivered them and other times, yeah. like John the Baptist, they gave their life for their beliefs. Yeah, and uh, and that's the challenge for us to be faithful even unto death. And that's right. And to me, it's a group of people. You know, light shines in darkness. You know, the more I I look at that motto, the more I turn around and say, "Hey, and there's a lesson in that uh, for us today uh, as Christians." You know, we have been called to be light uh, set on a hill. Uh, we are salt in uh, in a world that has got no salt. And to to me, as I look at this, I say, hey, you know, um, maybe uh, these people have got something uh, to teach us today. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, I just come to you right now. I want to say thank you uh, for raising up uh, these Waldensian people. Lord, thank you for giving us the word. Uh, Thank you for giving us your scriptures. Thank you for giving us a light for a dark place. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that indeed uh, each of us might treasure uh, the word more. Uh, Lord, that it might be our counsel. It might be uh, that which we uh, we come to when we need assistance. Uh, Lord, uh, I pray that your Holy Spirit might take control of our lives, that indeed we might see a wonderful revival take place uh, amongst uh, all those who name the name of Jesus Christ. We ask, we mm. pray uh, these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, friends, it it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Don Felberg on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when, again, I'm going to be sharing with Pastor Don Felberg as we're going to be discussing the question, who was William Tyndale and why was he hated, a clergyman that's hated? Really look forward uh, to being with you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace i give isn't like the peace that the world gives so don't be troubled or afraid may the lord richly bless you this program has been made possible by the support of adventist world radio